Hi, everyone. Welcome to They Had Fun. I'm Rachel, and I'm back with another amazing story about New York City. And if you have been wondering, when is this cheery bitch ever going to stop being so positive about this town? Well, guess what? You've reached it. This is it. This is when Rachel turns into an absolute sad sack. Uh, The holidays are over. It's January and February in New York City. It's so cold. My skin is so dry. I do not love this time of year, but that is okay. I still love New York City, but it got me thinking about my Rachel's Rex this week. And, you know, it's hard to remember sometimes this time of year why we continuously live in a city like this and why we don't live somewhere um, maybe like L.A. with some palm trees and sunshine and vitamin D. But we're here. So I thought, how can we remind ourselves why we do live in the greatest city in the world? And I think a perfect way to do that is a staycation. Yes, if you live here, treat yourself to a staycation. By the way, if you don't live here, just come have a regular vacation. You can do all the same stuff. It'll be just as fun. But if you live here and you're starting to forget why you like it so much, a staycation is a perfect way to remind yourself. So I actually did one of these last week. We took off two days of work and did a midweek staycation. I got to tell you, we had a blast. No surprise. But one of the reasons I think people should consider doing this is January and February, hotel prices are ridiculously low. And if you stay midweek, they're even ridiculously lower. So my first Rachel's Rec is the hotel I stayed at. It was the Ludlow Hotel on the Lower East Side. This is a four-star beautiful boutique design hotel. I've stayed there before. I absolutely love it. Sometimes their prices in like the summer are like, I don't know, $500 a night, something ridiculous like that. But the room we got was $239. These are the deals you can find if you're willing, you know, to go out in the middle of January, February. And then I called them. I asked if we could get a room upgrade if it was available. What do you know? They had one. They upgraded us to an 11th floor king suite room. I mean, we had a great time. I love this hotel. They have a fireplace in the lobby. Perfect for this time of year. Of course, you don't have to stay there. You could stay anywhere, but go out and look for some hotel that has a great deal right now. Another amazing thing about doing a staycation this time of year Has there been a restaurant you've been wanting to get into for like two years and you can never get a reservation because it's always so packed? Well, guess what? Midweek, January, February, you might just get that Isodi reservation you've been wanting because we did just that. We had a fabulous dinner at Isodi, prime time, nine o'clock. I don't know. There, There are these reservations to be had. It was so much fun. The food was delicious. That's not even one of my recs, but we had a great time. But also museums, the new museum. This is the rec. They had pay what you wish on Thursday, starting at like six o'clock, five o'clock, something like that. Eight floors of wonderful artwork, the beautiful view from the top floor of the city at nighttime. One exhibit they had was just absolutely breathtaking, stunning, moving. It was so wonderful. All the words you can think of and it was pay what you wish. And then what did we do after that? Walk down to Chinatown and got some hot pot. I'm telling you. There are fun things to be had in New York City. There are deals to be had in New York City. And there are things for you to do that you have never done before and opportunities for you to still go out and have a great time and remember why you love it here. So if you want to do the exact same one we did, Ludlow Hotel, Isodi, New Museum, but do anything you want. Go have some fun in New York City. And if you're sitting here thinking, you know what, Rachel, I just don't know how to put all of this together the way you do. Well, guess what? You're in luck. Because you can get a curated day from They Had Fun and we can put all of this together for you just like this. And of course, do it on your own. Do it with your friends. Do it with anybody you want. I highly suggest you go have some fun in New York City and do a staycation. Why not?
Those are Rachel's recs. That's our intro for this week. I'm ready to get into our episode. My guest has one of the most interesting jobs in New York City. She is a visual and fiber artist, but outside of that, she also is the owner of a garden design firm, Juniper Garden. So all of those rooftops and front doors and lobbies and everything you see in New York City dolled up with beautiful greenery and flowers. She's in charge of that. She puts it all together. Please welcome to the show, Chelsea Wagner. Hi. Thank you so much for being on. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you about something that I think is kind of a rarity in New York City, I would assume, but maybe I'm wrong. Garden designing. I think most people, when they hear New York, they think concrete jungle. They think not a lot of trees. We know that to not be true, but I guess I'm just wondering how you got into garden design and there must be a huge market for that out there. Yeah, I've been gardening my whole life. And then when I moved to New York in 2012, I moved here for grad school and I needed a job. A friend of a friend was like, oh, I work for a landscaping company. We always need people come work work for us. So I worked for them while I was in grad school. Once I finished, I decided that I really loved doing it. And I was really passionate about it. A lot of landscaping work is like treated like unskilled labor. Everyone around it behaves that way, right? And it's the same five kind of plants that you see everywhere. Like that's what everybody gets. No, 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 no. It's so much bigger than this. So I quit my job and I started my own company, which was looking back, totally insane. (laughs) I just like through people that I'd met, like through doormen and, you know, the guys who run the buildings, like they run the whole city. Like it's amazing. And I just became friends with those guys over the years. And so they started hooking me up with clients when people in the building needed them. And yeah, I'm fortunate enough to do that as a full time job now. You gotta love the New York City doorman. Always be nice to your doorman. He Always. Is everything. And I think it's so interesting that you saw this gap for yourself. Like we were saying, you're you're an artist but you also do garden design is that you found this way that maybe people were approaching it too straightforward. And you thought like, wait, there's actually quite an artistic element that we could change this game and like make it something more interesting and use different flowers and all of these things. And I think that's such, you know, I always do this, but such an an innate New Yorker ability to see something Mm. and be like, how can I spin this? Yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. Kind of. Yeah, that's what I was doing. It wasn't really about spinning it. It was just like, oh, this can be so much better. So are you doing like a lot of buildings or private residences? brownstones, rooftops, I'm guessing all of it. All of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do everything, anywhere that you can grow a plant, which is kind of a lot of places. It sounds like such an interesting job in New York. And it sounds like it would be, you're going to new places, you're seeing new things, you're meeting new people, you're out in the elements, you're creating. I don't know. It sounds so interesting to me. And I have zero, I will admit right now, I have truly negative green thumb. Like I can't do anything. I don't know how to garden. I can't handle plants. I, I can't do any of it. So I, I find that very admirable. People often talk to me about gardening, like I'm some sort of wizard. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really not. It's just the thing that I'm like obsessed with. So everyone has a thing that they're obsessed with, right? And I'm, I'm really obsessed with plants. It's about being a total maniac. New York loves maniacs. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) This is what we've talked about before is you can't just do it like sitting on the bench and being like, well, I might dabble in this. New York loves people who just go full throttle and everything. And I think it is really amazing that you're doing that. And even though you're maybe discrediting yourself a little bit, I think you should accept how interesting (laughs) it is and how cool it is and that you do have a skill set that other people 
don't have. Well, thank you. I, I will accept that. Now we can move on. We were, done, we we're done talking about all of the gardening, but people should definitely look into juniper. If you have even, it sounds like just a little space for a plant, they can help you and you can have a garden in New York City. But on to my first question, which we touched on just a little bit, but it's always, when did you move to New York City? I moved to New York in 2012. So I just celebrated my 10-year New York anniversary, And my husband, who's been here a lot longer than me, says that now I get to start complaining about stuff. I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Not like now you can be happy and feel fulfilled and all of these things. It's like, guess what? Now you're allowed to complain like the rest of us. Yeah. Now you're allowed to complain. The neighborhood is different. Now you're allowed to complain. Oh, yes. It doesn't work. Okay. So you've been here for 10 years. Congratulations. That is a big moment. And so now I must ask why you moved to New York. It sounds like a bit of it was for grad school, but can you tell us a bit more about that? I was just at a place in my life where like, I kind of knew I needed to get out of where I was. And this super strange confluence of things happened where I like met someone who told me about a scholarship that was specifically for people living in the city that I was living in. They were right up against fall semester starting and they hadn't found anyone to take the scholarship. So I figured it was like so late in the game that there's no chance that I would get it. But I emailed them and asked if it would be offered in the future. And they were like, if you can apply in the next 72 hours, we will look at your application. Oh my god! Oh my God. Okay. So I just like called in sick for two days of work and I like put together this application and I sent it in and it was terrible. It was just an awful application. <laughs> like so haphazard. It, it was like fast and, you know, thoughtless. I feel like really silly about it now. But they accepted me. And so I didn't even have time to think about if I wanted to live in New York or not. I didn't know anyone here. And I had three weeks to quit my job that I've been at for three years and tell my boyfriend that I was leaving and like pack up my apartment and just go. So that's what I did. I kind of didn't think about it. Wow. I love that they're like, you're like, this is terrible. They're like, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) they're like here just come unlike most people that we've had on the show or in general it doesn't necessarily sound like you had this lifelong dream of living in new york city it was actually like complete happenstance yeah i did not and i i honestly had no intention of staying here after grad school wow yeah so i i like didn't even i didn't sell my stuff or anything i like put it in my dad's basement i was like i'll be back in two years (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was like no you can't keep all this here but um I ended up meeting my husband. He gave a guest lecture in one of my classes. And I just was like, I cannot let this guy walk out of this building. Like, I have to be friends with him. And I kind of stalked him out of the building. (laughs) I would like email him and he totally tried to blow me off. And I just wouldn't let it go. I was like, God, I get this guy to like invite me to something or do something. I had no intention of dating him. Fast forward, I'm I'm prattling about that. But fast forward a couple months and we did start dating. And he's never going to leave New York. And so it was like, well, I guess I'm never leaving New York either. (laughs) Now I can't imagine living anywhere else. I go anywhere else in the country or even in the world that I'm like, I'm acutely aware of how much of a New Yorker I've become. <laughs> so I think it's the right place for me. You had to call your dad up and be like, actually, you know what? Going to need to come get that stuff because I'm going to stay here. He actually called me and it was like five years after I had first moved. And he was like, can I get rid of this crap in my face? <laughs> yes, you can. I'm sorry. I kind of want to know about when you first came here and did you have trouble finding an apartment? Did they give you student housing? Oh my God. My apartment story is like such a classic New York story. So because I had to move so fast, and I didn't know anybody here. So I did as you would do in 2012. And I put 
a post on Facebook. A woman who I went to high school with, who I was not like close friends with, she was like, oh, I live in Astoria and I'm, my roommate is moving out at the end of the month. Like I need a roommate. Come live with me. Perfect. And I'll make the story short. It was kind of suspicious. I kept asking her to like send me photos of the apartment. She was all jazzed up because it was a two-bedroom apartment and the previous tenants had built a walk-in closet and we were going to share the walk-in closet. No idea about New York real estate. I don't know what a New York apartment's supposed to be like. I'm like, this is awesome. So she like kind of kept dodging every time I asked oh, her. No. And she, I was like, can you just send me like a video walkthrough or something? She's like, oh, well, my computer is broken and blah, blah, blah. Uh-oh. So I pack up my ex-boyfriend's car, got my cat got my stuff. (laughs) We roll into town. She's out at like a work function. She's like, I left you the keys. So we walk into the apartment. It's a cute apartment. And I was like, this is great. I love this. And as I'm walking around, I can't find my bedroom. And it occurred to me (laughs) that she thought I was just going to live in the hallway between the bedrooms and the living room. Like it's a hallway. It doesn't have any windows. So I just texted her. I was like, this is a really crappy thing to do to somebody. You should not feel good about yourself. I put the cat back in the car. Oh, wow. And I was like, we are out of here. And my ex-boyfriend was like, where are we going? I was like, I don't know. Oh, shit. So we went back to Facebook. (laughs) We were both like, I'm homeless in New York. Please, somebody help me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. A friend of a friend, again, was like, my friend lives in Bushwick. She said that she can, like, put you up for the weekend or something or, like, until you find a place. And this woman was so sweet and generous. Ugh. She opened the door with a glass of wine in her hand and was like, come on in. You got to love New Yorkers because they know that we have to help each other out. And maybe she's been there before or knew something. And she was like, I can help you for the weekend. Yeah. And then, you know, again, another, like, friend of a friend of a friend within that weekend, like, found me an apartment. Oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it worked out. You got so lucky. <laughs> well, you weren't lucky with the first girl in the hallway, which is just bizarre, but you did get lucky with within a week or two, like being able to find somewhere else to live. And then you stayed. Okay. So the moral of that story is you can count on New Yorkers. I think so. Fingers crossed. Most of the time you can count on them. And I'm so excited to ask you my most important question of the show, which is what is the most fun you've ever had in New York? Some of the most fun nights I've had, especially like on a regular basis, are out salsa dancing in New York. It's a huge part of New York's history and it's so cool. So there's an event called the Lost Horizon Night Market and it's basically like a secret event. But the idea is that it's an unpermitted event. Everyone kind of knows it's about to happen, but you don't get the location until a couple hours before. And so artists are invited to do whatever they want. The idea is that you have to do it in a moving truck. You show up and you have a thing in a moving truck. Wait, so do they provide a moving truck or do you? They provide nothing. You just, it's just like, they just organize, they find the locations basically. Where do you get a moving truck? I mean, there's, there, as any production person will tell you, um, there are (laughs) lots of places too. I had no idea. I like to shop local. So I went with CNC Rentals. Shout out. Yeah. They don't need my business. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) So I just decided to sign up one year to do it. And so I lived in Panama as a teenager and I've traveled around Latin America a lot. And I was like, really loving like the salsa scene here. This was like, I don't know, maybe like 2016 or something. So I decided that I wanted to sort of bring the energy of the New York salsa scene and sort of little roadside stands that I grew up going to in Panama together. 
and make like a little salsa club. That is such a cool (laughs) concept and idea and like the courage to sign up and be like, I'm going to do this. It's so interesting. (laughs) Well, I definitely didn't do it alone. I had some collaborators, a very cool friend of mine named Nell Tivnan. She is a vet decorator and she helped me sort of like flesh out the club inside the truck. We rented a 20 foot moving truck. Wow. And the inspiration really came places in Panama. And my friend Jean Barbaras, who's an amazing carpenter, and he helped me build CD, like little stools around. And like he helped build a bar in the back, which is like in the back, it's like towards the cab of the moving truck. Right. You like went to <laughs> yeah. walk all the way in. How long did it take you guys to, to prepare all of those things? I mean, we put it together in like, I don't know, three hours or something. Wait, what? Yeah. I'd- but they... They built like the tables and those things beforehand. They didn't build the tables and three hours. No, actually, actually. So I picked up Jean in the moving truck and then on our way to the build location, we just saw some pallets on the street. And so we like stopped and picked them up. He just built them right there. That is insane. <laughs> yeah, we just built it like on a side street in industrial Queens. In a few hours, you made a completely flushed out salsa club inside of a moving truck. I was so certain that when I asked you that question, you were going to say, well, we came up with all the design sketched out. It was like three weeks. And then we had like a week of putting everything together. And then, you know, it was the final. No, you did this all in a few hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like ran some errands beforehand. I like went and bought a bunch <laughs> of plants and like put a bunch of plants around it. I like how you're still trying to like humble this down. Like, no, it's not. You're like, well, I ran some errands. Like this is <laughs> wild that you did this in this amount of time. It's so awesome. And then you had music or did you have live musicians or how did you do that? Yes. um, I had a DJ, DJ Andy Andy and word got around because there's all these other trucks. Like I'm not the only artist. There's like, you know, a dozen other artists and a dozen other trucks doing a dozen other things. Oh, wow. So like Jesse Pellegrino was doing a magic show in a truck. Jeff Stark and his friend George Graham had like done a play in a different truck. This is so cool. I want to go to this. Yeah. And also with all the like details and all like the hiddenness, it also a little bit sounds like a Stefan sketch from SNL. (laughs) Where it's like New York's hottest new scene is an abandoned abandoned, (laughs) parking garage in Maspeth where all of these moving trucks show up. And if you want to salsa dance in one or see a live action play, like (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes it so cool. It's like all of these wild esoteric things, but it's actually happening. And I just think that, I mean, that is really, really fun. And I think that is so cool that you had the idea to put your love of salsa into this and create this whole room. And I hope that people got up and danced. Yeah, people really loved it. This is the whole point of this podcast is to get people up and excited to go out and do things in New York and to have fun and try new things. And don't be so stuck to your usual spots. Be willing, ready, and able to try something new in New York because you never know what could happen. You could wind up at a giant parking lot in Queens and dancing salsa. And I love that. And I think it's so great. I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing it. I have to ask you my final question of the show now, which is what is your favorite thing about New York City? Definitely the possibility here. You can be anyone that you want to be. Well, it doesn't always feel this way. You can do whatever you want to do. Yes. People don't judge you here. Yes. That is what made it feel like home to me. I always felt a little too big for where I was. 
when I first moved here, I was the first time I really felt small. And I was like, Oh, wow, uh, I got to keep up with all these cool people. Like, <laughs> these people are doing amazing things. <laughs> you really can just be whoever you want to be here. And it's so nice. Yeah, I think that that idea, I love exactly what you're saying. That idea is what has brought people here for hundreds of years. And and we've talked about it before. The possibilities is such a good way of saying it because it doesn't matter what your possibility is, whether it's getting a great job or working in the arts or being able to be like your true self that you couldn't be in your little hometown or whatever it is. That is what brings these type of people here is the possibility to be able to do anything. And maybe sometimes it's going to suck and maybe sometimes you're going to fail or maybe sometimes it won't work for you. But like that idea is there for you. Yeah. And I think New York's a tough city. It's not for everybody. But sometimes you get a nice lady who's willing to let you sleep on her couch and give you a glass of wine. And that's how it all works out. Totally. Thank you so much for being on the show, Chelsea. I love your story. I want everyone to go out and have a night like this. Go out and learn how to salsa dance. It's it's a great thing, apparently. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Yeah, it was so fun to talk. But most of all, thanks, New York. They had fun. 